The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Welcome to a brand new edition of The Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 On this week's show, Monster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan presents another action-packed segment reviewing all the latest provincial results and news. The Big Red Bench's Eve O'Callaghan gets Irish Women's International Nicola Friday and manager Greg McWilliams post-England reaction and thoughts ahead of Ireland's Crunch Six Nations clash with Scotland. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to discuss all the latest F1 off-track headlines and this weekend's Grand Prix. Munster Women's Hockey Piero Graham Catchboard is all the latest Munster Women's Hockey and EY League results, scores and updates. I got the aftermatch thoughts of Cork LGFA minors Millie Condon, Amy McKennedy, Leah Heffernan and manager Jamie Cronin following the Rebels' Munster final victory. We also have aftermatch reaction from Cork and Kerry's Munster LGFA under-14A decider in Mallow. That's all to come on this week's jam-packed Women in Sport podcast. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan joins me on this week's Big Red Bench to offer us her expert opinion on all things rugby and review all the latest provincial, clubs, schools and adult results, scorers and upcoming fixtures. Plus, we have all the latest Munster Rugby and international rugby news making the headlines. Now, another busy week on the Munster women's rugby front scene, as well as the Irish internationals who played in Musgrave Park. There was more action at club and at schools level, and who better than the Munster women's rugby chairperson, Wendy Keenan, to rejoin us and tell us all about it. Wendy, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. How are you? I'm great, sir. Thanks a million. Um, before we talk a little bit about the international game that took place uh, at Musgrave between Ireland and England, there has been uh, plenty of action once again uh, on the scene over the past weekend and three big results in particular from the past weekend that you wanted to bring us up to speed on. Yeah, so we, we mentioned about the fixtures last week. So just to come in with our results in relation to those um, and big days for the clubs involved. So the women's divisional uh, bowl final took place in UL on Sunday and we had a repeat of the league uh, final. So we had Ennis Kilrush defeating Thurless 22-14, but a cracker of a game there with lots of tr- uh, tries scored. And look, a great season for the two games. Ennis, Ennis Kilrush, their first year in the adult game, you know, winning two competitions. They'll be thrilled with that result. Um and a lovely way to wrap up the season for them. At the Under-16 Development Cup then, Middleton Yall had um, a win over Old Crescent uh, Scarves, so they're through to the finals. So they'll be looking forward to that to wrap up their season. And um, finally, the Under-18 Development Cup final took place in Old Christians. And a local win for you is Skibbereen Bantry Bay um, defeated Shannon 24-10. So again, lots of tries been scored, and I suppose that wraps up the season for some of the girls. Uh, yeah, and nice just to mention again that uh, that Skibbereen Bantry amalgamation, how important it is to keep uh, rugby to the forefront in West Cork. It's been a very, very good year for rugby in West Cork where you live, not just in West Cork, but in other parts of Munster too, I acknowledge that. But uh, from the Skibbereen Bantry's point of view, amalgamation, very, very good to see those girls amalgamating and getting to play and winning something which will keep them interested for next year, Wendy, which is what it's all about. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we've had, you know, good weather the last few weeks, thankfully for the finals. And, you know, it's lovely to finish the season on a positive for those girls. You know, you'd Saskia Witchley there receiving the, the, the trophy on Sunday, you know, on the back of coming back, having played for Ireland. So, you know, I mentioned about role models and, and girls in leadership and, and, and that's a really important element to this. You know, I know we had our campaign, can't see, can't be, but I think can see, can be is really important. Yes, it certainly is. And uh, if the numbers that are playing and looking to play even through the off-season, as you've been telling us in previous uh, episodes about the number of challenge games and friendlies and whatever uh, taking place, there's still huge interest in it and that will only grow as the year goes on and into next season. And ahead of that, more good news that a school sevens event that took place this past week was another huge success for you, Wendy. 
Yeah, so that was in Rockwell. It's our it's our annual event, but we had more than ever there this this year. So we had three hundred and fifty girls um, in attendance in Rockwell. So just a, a beautiful sunny day la- uh, last week that it took place. And I'm going to name the schools. It won't take me a second, but That's I think okay. it's just to show where they're all coming from. So we've Kalosha Ida and Yosef in Abbey Field, Arts Culver in Limerick, Bandon Grammar, Cork. Kalosha Pubble Bantry, St. Joseph College, Barsley, Cashel Community School, Sacred Heart, Clonakilty, Kalosha Eden, and Dingle, John the Baptist in Hospital, Kinsale Community College, Scariff Community College, St. Anne's Community College in Killaloo, St. Mary's in Nina, Thomond Community College and Villiers in Limerick. And that was um, a qualifying event actually for the National Sevens Competition for the Girls. And that competition is going to take place in Dublin this week. So representing Munster, Mun, excuse me, representing Munster at the national event will be Sacred Heart, Clannacilty and St. Anne's Community College in Killaloo. So we wish both uh, teams the very best of luck. And once again, the breadth of and the area being covered here with the schools that you've mentioned, we're not going through all of them again, um, not just in Cork, but throughout Munster. That must give you uh, and Munster Women's Rugby a lot of confidence and encouragement when you see the level of engagement. And it's still in its embryonic stage um, to see that and head into next year. Maybe other schools will come along and take up the, the mantle as well. Yeah, I mean, there was more interest from other schools. It was just, you know, there's there's a staffing issue in some of the schools. You know, when you a few people sick, you know, it's been trying to get people on buses and get them to events. So definitely, um, you know, I mean, there's definitely more schools out there will, that will join this event. We'll see it, I think, reflected in the Junior and Senior Cup next year. I suppose you talk about all, you know, I mean, the joy, yes, but it comes with a lot of headaches. And I have to credit Grace Carney and the work that she does on our committee in organising all the schools rugby. Um, and I'm sure she's looking forward to to closing off that account um, in the next week or two to, to give herself a couple of weeks uh, break before you know she starts planning for next season. But um, look, we just need more staff on the ground, let's be honest about it, to cover, to get around to all these schools and all these clubs. We have two women's development officers. We need double that at least. Yeah, absolutely you do. And you've you've long since championed that. And I can, I can hear, and even from the, again, the breadth of schools and the breadth of clubs and the the age profiles of the girls that are playing rugby now in Munster. I don't think there's ever been a, a between, from maybe from the underages of seven up to 18 and beyond. I don't think we've ever had this volume of players involved, uh, Wendy. And that's not even including the pathways for the interprovincial squads. It's just the sheer volume of schools and clubs now that are taking this game up it won't succeed unless you get more support on the ground and you need more coaches and you need more people, as you said, and you need probably more than double what you actually need. Oh, yeah. I mean, like we're really dependent on, you know, the volunteers in the school, but also the volunteers in the club. And they do Trojan work. And, you know what I mean, we're, we're, we're very grateful for all of that. But you do need the professional staff in supporting that too, to provide guidelines and to provide pathways for them, you know, and to provide advice and support for all these people taking it up. But as you said, like, I mean, the schools this year has just been incredible yeah. in terms of the response to the game. And I suppose, look, we're looking at those transferable skills from all the other sports that they play, soccer, camogie, etc. And uh, I just think it's look, it's wonderful, you know what I mean, to see them, the girls playing all the different sports. It, exactly and long may it continue whatever age group those girls are involved in but um, specifically for rugby as well and uh, bolstering that interprovincial setup for Munster and internationally for the years ahead and with that in mind more good news this week and at the IRFU Provincial Centres of Excellence for the women's game um, and where they're going to go ahead and what's happening with those Yeah I suppose you know a couple of weeks ago we had the announcement from um, the IRFU they've created four provincial centres of excellence um, for players I suppose that are on you know the green pathway to a you know, to to the Irish team. Um, those centres of excellence are actually going to be based at universities. 
Um, not that people will attend those universities. It's just where the facilities are mm. that are required for the de- demographic they're looking at between 16 and 23 year olds. Um, you know, I mean, for these centres. Um, so like it's a very exciting announcement. Um, so at the moment, it's going to be based for Munster is going to be based in the University of Limerick. There are negotiations with UCC at the moment. We know we have that geographical challenge that I'm always speaking about. So um, hopefully UCC will be on board in the very near future. So this week, I expect we will have the announcement of the two new staff that will be heading this up in Munster. So we'll have a pathway talent coach and we'll have athletic performance coach. And um, as you say, they'll be, you know, identifying talent around the province and then providing what's needed for these girls to succeed. You know, the coaching um, that they need the skill development, the nutritional advice, but also the SNC work and the guidance around that. So look, a really, really exciting time to see this. It's, it's, you know, it'll be up and running hopefully within the next couple of weeks. So it'll hit the ground running over the summer and into next season. And uh, God, what an exciting uh, prospect if you're a young girl coming into rugby. These are a very, very important appointments. It goes without saying, Wendy. I mean, the the responsibility on the shoulders of the people who will be the first in to do this is crucial because you have to have that network and that experience if you're going to bolster and enhance the talent that comes you come across as time goes on, correct? Absolutely. And I suppose it's the expertise in terms of that talent coach becomes really important and the athletic coach, of course. But um, while coaches, you know what I mean, in the clubs do Trojan work and an excellent job, you know, that, that step up into that green jersey is is a little bit different and what's expected of the players. So they do need the guidance to, you know what I mean, to provide that pathway for them. And, and here's this opportunity. And look, we've had a lot of, I suppose, negative coverage of what's been happening at an Irish level over the last couple of weeks. And this is part of, I suppose, the bolstering of that and, and to make things better, if you want a better word. So, it's you know, this is another part of the jigsaw. It is. And I think it's, look, it's important that uh, on this platform anyway, that we keep letting people know the positive things that are happening in Irish rugby and specifically in Munster, because that's the area that we cover, and obviously Cork from where we're both from. But there's so much happening at club and at school and at interprovincial and pathway level and appointments and new centres of excellence. The building blocks are being put in place. That's the thing to remember, because there's a lot of headlines at the moment focusing on results for the Irish international team, obviously. Um, And that's why it's all the more important, I think, to get you out there telling people what's actually being done for the future, not just for today, but for the future and for girls that want to play rugby at a professional level, that the pathway is going to be there. But these are the blocks that have to be put in place. But they're being put in place, which is the encouraging thing, Wendy. Yeah, I mean, there's huge finances gone into this project alone. Um, you know, we've got our Celtic Cup. We're going to have two teams there next year. We had one team there this year. Um, you know what I mean? And that, that'll further develop players. You know, they're playing against um, other international players, you know, prior to the Six Nations. And there's a huge amount being worked. So, you know, if you're unsure, rather than reading what's been put out in social media, let's get on to irfu.ie, you know what I mean? And you'll see what's been done because... Um, for me, you know, the last couple of weeks has been about supporting our players, not only from Munster, but, you know, from around the country that have been representing Ireland in the green jersey. And, you know, some of the things that have been said have been really personal, right, mm. rather than, you know, let's stick to the facts, you know, in terms of tackles made, tackles missed, etc. Um, and, and they're the, the important statistics that we should be looking for. I mean, the finance has already been recorded that's been invested in the game. It's going to take time. Lynn Cantwell alluded to it last week on the television, you know, and as I've said, girls are in contract since, you know, before Christmas, really, November, and we're expecting results in, in four or five months. 
Yeah, you know, we, we all know it takes much longer than that. We do. Hopefully we've outlined why it takes a bit longer and hopefully people listening to this here on Red FM and listening to somebody like yourself who's so passionate about Munster Women's Rugby can see that the building blocks are being put in place. It takes time, but once they're in place, there's a chance to be successful, but it will take a little bit of time. Um, obviously, before I let you go, we're, going, we're about to hear uh, from, uh, following that uh, unfor- disappointing TikTok Six Nations loss to England at Musgrave Park last weekend, Aoife O'Callaghan of the Big Red Bench was on hand to get Greg McWilliams and Nicola Friday's uh, reaction but also to look ahead to the big game against Scotland and let's focus on that Wendy just to finish from your own point of view um, it's a big game for Ireland it goes without saying it will you know depending on the result we could end up playing Spain for a tier 2 spot who knows um, but Greg McWilliams has been pretty you know he's stick he's stuck to the script all the time he's not shied away from you know mistakes and disappointings within the performance but he's also extolled the virtues of the people the effort that's been put in we had uh, Dervil Nick Vardon last week talking about what it means to play for Ireland represent our country this is a huge game against Scotland but it's not to be all and end all either no, it's it, look. It's not, and 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 before we suppose look to Scotland, let's reflect back onto the performance that they put on last Saturday. Um, you know the scoreline that they held England to. They were you know twenty eight minutes, I think, into the second mm. half before um, England scored their first try in the second half, and even in the first you know ten fifteen minutes, you know into a scrum penalty for Ireland, you know a, a turnover scrum in the next one. You know they they worked so hard around the pitch, um, and there was so many positives to take away. Um, England were always going to win that match mm. you know I mean that that was never the question what was in question I suppose is what was the score going to be I mean we read um, different articles that it was going to be 100 plus we read another article about health and safety but those girls I mean the pride that was in the jersey the way they stood up um, against the English I was extremely proud of them and their performance and they'll have taken a lot of positives away from that I think ahead of the um you know, the Scotland game. Yes, it is, you know what I mean, a big game. Perhaps next week, Joe, we might discuss what this mm. tier one, two, three means so that people yeah. understand. Um, um, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss that next week. But look, it is a big match. But even if they don't win, they, you know what I mean, that there's another competition to be played. And, um, and But look, I really hope that they finish with, you know what I mean, with the flourish. It would be lovely, wouldn't it, to see them win next weekend? Uh, I think they deserve it. I think considering they've been at the centre of a storm out of their own making for the players I'm talking about for, for, for most of the Six Nations Championship, um, it would be a very positive end to it. But again, even if they don't, the level of performance is slowly rising and coming up. And as you said, they've been together so for so little time. That has to be taken into account when you're looking at established, hugely funded like the French and the English are just out ahead of everybody, not just Ireland, Wales and Scotland um, and Italy. Um these things have to be, people have to be reminded of these things and I'm glad we have this platform to do that and as I said uh, we're about to hear uh, Red FM's Aoife Callan got Greg McWilliams and Nicola Friday's reaction immediately after the English game but they also looked ahead and talked about uh, that upcoming Scottish game so that's about to, uh, we're about to hear that right away um, following our conversation here so for now as ever uh, thank you very very much for your time uh, Wendy Keenan and we look forward to talking to you again next week Thanks a million Jerry delighted to be on Yes just your opinion on that performance Yeah look um Still, like we still would have liked to have got on the board, definitely, and there's definitely areas for us to improve on. But you can't. I'm, I'm extremely proud of the the heart and the fight that the girls showed to hold out an English team of that caliber in the second half to the 70th minute. I think we should really showed the grit and the determination and fight that we have as a group, and, and I'm proud of the girls for that. And I suppose it's the most cohesive between you, I'd say, this campaign so far. Um, going in Scotland now, how are you all feeling? Yeah, like there's definitely 100% areas we can improve on. Our lineup definitely is something we want to get functioning more and get more return out of. Um, but definitely, I think we saw glimpses of our backs 
playing really well today in terms of getting the ball to the edges and letting, letting their quality wingers have a, have a crack and um, our defence definitely wasn't improved on from the first three matches as well so there's, def- there's positives but there's areas that we're, we're going to 100% work, work on over the next week because we, we want to go to Scotland firing and a big crowd for you again today. How did the 16th man help you along? Brilliant. Like, uh, we've had two amazing matches here in, in Cork in terms of support. And it really does mean the world to us, especially at this time for us as a group, that to have people showing up and, and really supporting and getting behind us. And it, it really means the world to us. So Nicola, how are you feeling physically after that? Because it looks fairly relentless at times with the, the amount of defending you had to do. Yeah, it was definitely an attritional match, but we expected no less. Um, without, so like to be sore bodies, but I think if we can come in fresh on Monday and have a good week of training, we should be in a good spot to go to Scotland. Obviously the, the scoreline wasn't what you wanted, but that kind of third quarter and probably extending up to around 70 minutes, holding England out for the guts of half an hour when you're already kind of down a good bit on the scoreboard a lot of teams in that situation might fold do you take a lot of heart from, from that third quarter? Yeah 100% like I'm so proud of the girls for that fight we like we just showed determination and grit to, to keep them out for that length of time in the second half um, we rattled them and, and that's what we said we were going to do that if you if you can get in, in, in an English English team's head that they and they, they're not getting the front football that they want and they, they do go into themselves and I think we showed that we, we did that at times And but like at the same time you have to be able to do it for a full 80 minutes because they're an extremely clinical and, and quality side so they took it when they had their opportunities they took it straight away You and some of your other teammates as well spoke about the external noise during this week and the, the outside factors how much of a motivating factor was that for you? Yeah for me we said that you know there's a lot of heart and pride in this jersey that we we put a lot into representing our country and, and the outside noise it's like people are allowed to have their opinions and but we know what we're given as a group and what we're given individually to to this tournament and, and we really are trying our best but we we've recognized where we are and I know we've said it over and over again that we're at the start of our journey but we are in terms of like if you look at the other teams they've all been to a World Cup and all performed at the World Cup and, and we've missed that block of quality game time that those teams got and we have to we've recognised that but like it's not making excuses for, for underperforming because we know we have at times underperformed as well so we are we're building and we're slowly getting there and we just ask that people stick with us Thank you. it's been such a kind of a tough few weeks and um, the manner of the tweets and everything how much is in reserve because this is probably going to be one of your most important games in years against Scotland yeah look we'll treat it as the same as every other week like we'll come in on Monday and we'll do our review of this match and areas that we can improve on and then it's about obviously making sure that we're putting our, the best, our best selves forward in training on Tuesday and Wednesday because it is going to be a hugely important game for us but I think that we've looked at every game as an important game for us like we've had a point to prove in every game that we've played and, and our results haven't I suppose like we haven't had the results that we wanted so we want to make sure that we approach it I suppose similarly to this week that we come out fighting and that we give absolutely everything to to the game and obviously Scotland are playing Italy um, just started so but will you go there like with confidence has any of this kind of chipped away your confidence <coughs> what would it be like to imagine going to no I think like we've we've like we've built over the tournament and like may it be small margins but we have we have built as a group and definitely think we're stronger and more cohesive than we've ever been before because it's, it takes time to build that in, in a new a new squad um, so I do, like I do think that 
we'll just have to approach it the same way as every other match that we have and, and do our analysis and making sure that we have bodies are right coming into the week because we want like we have a point to prove and that's the way we're looking at it. And just finally, obviously we know what happened last year in Belfast against Scotland. Uh, you know, Higgins got that try. Like, how, how much of a motivating factor will it be just not to get that wooden spoon? Yeah, look, um, I suppose that's, that's not a position we want to be in, but at the same time, it's. It, it is a reality that if we don't perform next weekend that it, 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 it will happen for us but we'll be doing absolutely everything that we can to make sure that we're not in that position but it's going to be a tough match we're on an illusion How do you find playing in the 6-8 compared to the ground in England? Is it the same level of intensity? It's, a, it's definitely a higher level again like it is a huge step up for, for any player I suppose like when you come go from club to, to international it's just a, a faster intensity more attritional hits like and I think the Prem does definitely give like a good platform to come into the tournament feeling like on a good on a good foot but like it still is a huge jump for any for any player like you can't replicate what test rugby is in training so I definitely do think it is it is a step up what I doubt. Greg just your overall thoughts initially on the on the result and performance yeah look it's still the result that we didn't want I think however if you look at the squad and how hard they're uh, working for each other I think you saw that uh, in how we we went about our business today look we have to still get better lots of technical and tactical work we've got to improve on areas of our game that didn't function but overall I think you've got to realise that maybe a bit of a line in the sand moment I thought we saw a group of players there that started to believe in each other and we saw that in front of our eyes and that's always good if we got that you got a chance the attitude overall is that the, the biggest plus yeah it is I mean look they're, they work really hard in camp people on the outside you know don't get a chance to see what we see like a group of players that are working hard for each other and I think that's something that you would be proud of because if you have that, you've always got a chance. Uh, we've got to get better, though. You know, like there's parts of our game there that just isn't clinical enough. We're playing against a very good English side, and we had a plan going into it. We stuck to it for for good moments of it. Um, you know, like it was 27-0 going into the second half. We had a really good plan coming out after half time for the first 30 minutes of that second half. It was nil all, and we had some good opportunities. So 27-0 going into the last 10 minutes, and then you know they brought on some really good players and power off the bench that just were very strong and, and they scored a couple of late tries that made the scoreline what it was but very proud overall the, the words outside noise have come up a lot over the last few days from players in particular as well do you think that they kind of answered some of that criticism uh, was, it, was it a motivating factor I don't think so I, like we don't really refer to the huge amount in our camp like we can only control what we can do so you know people can talk about whatever they want to outside like a, you know as a group it's important that we get together and we find solutions we don't go off into into our own little small pockets and find problems and um, I think that's what the group has done is they got together and they're, they've, they've grown over this and I think that's the most important thing I'm super proud about this group of players because they're getting it from people uh, from different angles and that's just the way the world is now and that's just what you've got to be aware of when you're playing in, in the spotlight but for this team to rally the way they did incredibly proud of them and just finally for me then in terms of the, the technical elements of this game what do you yeah. take from us going into next week in Scotland I take this big improvements but I also see areas that even looking back in the footage that just has, has to be better to play international rugby um, hopefully we can you know rest well uh, build into next week we've got a massive week now against Scotland because that will decide who goes into tier 2 and who goes into tier 3 and uh, that's a massive game for us and it's a bit of an opportunity um, for us to go into what is like a, a cup final for us next week so that's exciting we get another chance to, to challenge the group but uh, yeah I keep going back to it but 
I mean, Nicola and the leadership group, like, seeing it unfold and, and, and seeing them growing in a short space of time, it's, it's very refreshing. It's about the HIAs, how are they? Yeah, uh, good, actually, yeah. Uh, so Linda, Linda felt great there. Um, hopefully that she can come through her return to play and be good to go for next week against Scotland. And just on, the, uh, I suppose, the, the missed tackles, Greg, I think it was like 50-something. That yeah. obviously would be a huge area as well for next week. It always is. Look, I mean, look, at, you can look at the 50 missed tackles, and I understand that, Sinead, and you're right to point that out, but there's so many incredibly good defensive sets. You're playing against a team that have the ball for long periods of time. I thought our defence is much better. I think there's still systematic areas that we'll continue to work on. And then that technical point you talk about is getting players really comfortable in the defensive situations and, and in the contact area. So it's part of our development. But I thought our defence today was outstanding. And, and, and yeah, look, there's... there's yeah, they're working, you know, and, and uh, it's got to be better. And I'll continue to try and get better. But I, they always say that, like, defence shows the soul of a team. And while technically we have to get better and our system needs to improve, I saw players fighting for each other and fighting back for each other. And if you've got that, you've always got a chance. Yeah, we know, like, the ramifications of next week's game with the WSB yeah. and everything. Everything. Um, you know, we, we, like, what will the players be, be like? What will their confidence be like? You said this is a line in the sand here, kind of this game, and it will be like a cup final next week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they're going to take a lot out of this. I think, you know, I, I saw belief in parts of the second half, and I saw an energy that I was really impressed about. And we've got areas that we're going to have to get better at, and we'll just keep looking to improve Sinead. And, you know, like, that's, that's the one thing with any team is you're constantly developing, and it's on to the next challenge. So we'll park this, we'll do our homework, we'll see areas we need to improve, we'll look at Scotland, see areas that they do very well, maybe areas we can exploit, and we'll come up with our plan, and hopefully we can go to Scotland feeling good about ourselves, showing that there's fight there, but also showing there's a lot of work to do. How, how big would a win be all against Scotland, obviously, today, or finish the game? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's going to be massive, you know. I mean, um, as I said, it's good to have this at the end of the campaign, rather than a nothing match that allows us to have, you finish fifth or sixth. We've got an opportunity to go into Tier 2 uh, playoff against likely Spain, so we've got a really big carrot there and now again we've just got to do what we've done every week so far which is uh, look at ourselves look at our performance look at the opposition and hopefully we can improve between now and next week and we just said line outs that was an issue last week we saw Sam used a lot more yeah. this week in the air was that something you were kind of conscious of varying still not quite ticking you know they're doing a lot of work I can't tell you like uh, there's lots of good work being done but again it's not quite ticking at the moment and I think in this game you're always looking for you know contact being really important set piece being really important I mean like Dennis obviously has done a massive amount of work in our scrum and it's good to see that cope but like John has done a massive amount of work John McKee with our line out and uh, it'll click you know, so to be a bit patient with it but yeah unfortunately today it didn't fire the way that we know it can so hopefully that can improve for next week Obviously, you want to beat Scotland next week, um, and there's been some chat about like, obviously, if you if you do beat them, you won't go yeah. to Tier Three in WXV. What's your whole perspective on that? On where you think the team should be playing in that competition? I said at the very start of this competition is we'll know at the end of the Six Nations where we stand and we own it. We have to own our performance. It's it's on us as a group. I think, you know, not having the sevens players and, and I think that's good in one sense because we've got a group of players that have been with us throughout the Six Nations so we get a true reflection of where we are no matter where we finish. Um, and that's really important because to improve you need to know where you've come from, where you are and where you want to get to. We want to play at the top table. We want to be winning Six Nations. We want to be competitive in the Six Nations. We have a long way to go. We know that. But if you said to me now we could get a win next week and be Tier 2 playoff against Spain to get into Tier 2, I'd bite your hand off. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off-track Formula 1 headlines. 
around the 2023 season. You can find more of Sarah Mackenzie Foley's expert Formula 1 analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube, Sarah Mackenzie F1, Instagram, MacGram underscore, and on Twitter, MacTweets underscore. It's uh, that time of the week again here on the Big Red Bench where we're delighted to have a resident Corkshire FM Formula 1 expert, Sarah Mackenzie Foley, to join us to preview uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and also talk about recent off-track happenings. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, full of life because it's race week again. So, you know, I, I, I hit another level when, uh, when we actually get to see on-track racing, which is nice. Yeah, it seems like it's been a long time, but it hasn't. It's only been a week or two, but I suppose we were back into the routine of, you know, two Grand Prix very close together and early stages of the season, very interested in all the headlines. Then there's kind of this break. So I suppose it does kind of break the momentum for fans and supporters. But mm. as ever, Formula One have this, upon um, alert, uh, thrown a spanner in the works. Uh, because we were about to talk about the GP and talk about the teams and where people are, but before we do any of that, we have to talk about the fact that the F1 Cognoscenti uh, have decided to introduce a thing called Sprint Saturday. So an all-new weekend format, Saturday sprint sessions, which do not affect the Grand Prix, Friday qualifying, and then Friday's qualifying is what affects Sunday's grid. But can you tell us what Sprint Saturday is about and why you're not a fan of it and uh, what we can expect this weekend? I think, okay, so firstly, as you mentioned, Friday is now going to be qualifying and it will set the grid for Sunday. Sprint Saturday now consists of two different sessions. So you're going to have a sprint shootout, which, as you, as you mentioned, is brand new. And then you're going to have the actual sprint. I don't see the point. And I also think it it creates so much extra work for the teams it creates so much extra risk which I think is actually the draw I suppose for those that are looking for more entertainment but we've tried things like this with qualifying before folks that have been watching for a while might remember a a good few years back they tested a new uh, qualifying format and within two races I think they gave it up because everyone unanimously was like no, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't work. I think you you can mess around with the format of a sport to a certain extent, but I think when it gets to this level and you're really kind of reaching for entertainment and reaching to create these extra moments of drama, it starts to look a bit gimmicky. Um, you know, they've they've introduced mandatory tires for each of each of the sprint shootout sessions. So they've essentially formed it very similarly to qualifying Q1, Q2, Q3. You lose the five slowest cars, you use the five slowest cars. And then, like I say, a mandatory tyre. Okay, fine. But, you know, what if it rains? Or, you know, what? there's just... This feels like something that someone thought up in a boardroom <laughs> and somehow it passed mustard enough that someone pressed go and it just really doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to, from what I can see, many, many other F1 fans. We just don't really get it. Okay, clearly you're not a fan. Uh, but you, you've you've articulated it as ever very well there. I, I'm, I'm with you on this. <clears throat> because when I heard Sprint Saturday, I thought, okay, obviously qualifying is going to form some sort of a grid. Uh, and then it's in your interest to get to the top of that grid for the Sprint Saturday race, which dictates where you start in the actual Grand Prix itself. So it's kind of extending the, uh, it's like a mini race to decide where you where you start. This has nothing to do with anything other than let's no. have a sprint race on a Saturday. And as you said, 
why would you risk your your um your car uh why would if if the weather changes even if it doesn't why would you risk anything because all that matters is sunday and crossing the line and getting points and you're right this is the, to me this has been thought up in a Netflix meeting, not necessarily mm-hmm. a Formula One meeting, because when there's no correlation whatsoever to the race and why you're there for the weekend, why would you agree to do it? It's just it's it's like um, it's just like a race for the sake of it, and like let's give the fans something to yeah. shout about on the Saturday. And if I'm a fan and I'm paying a lot of money to get into Grand Prix these days, I'm going in on the qualifying because I know I'm going to see some quality action and the cars going at mm-hmm. their limit, and at the very least, I'm going to go to the race because I want to see what happens in that. If I wanted to see a race that had no standing, I'd watch some of the vintage cars, the historical cars that go around in all these yeah. races beforehand, because that's what this is. So I don't understand it. I'm like you, I just don't get it. If it is no connection to the Grand Prix, what I think has happened is, I think F1 wanted it to have something to do with the Grand Prix, but the, the team said, look, we're flat out. Uh, you're putting all these restrictions on us in terms of design, in terms of the, what we can use and what we can't use, fuel, now you want us to race, you know, before the actual race itself? Well, fine, but we're not going to, it can't stand for anything because you're going to see cars in the sprint shootout not going to their optimum. I mean, am I right? Why would you risk pushing the car to the limits when you know you're on pole the following day? 100% or, you know, let's say a very likely scenario, really, even if, even if they decide not to push is... Or even if, let's say, like we mentioned, there's a a massive change in conditions. Let's say you have a dry qualifying on a Friday, which sets your grid for Sunday. Then it's wet on Saturday for the sprint. A car gets damaged, a car gets totaled, whatever. Mm. What happens to that car if it can't, you know, like, is there a risk that it doesn't start the race the next day? Like, does everyone else then move up? You know, it's, it's very unclear, like you say, the value. And strangely, though, they're still attributing points the sprint itself so the top eight finishers in the sprint will get points ranging from eight points to one point for the person p8 but uh, it doesn't really mean anything you know it just doesn't i i really just don't understand the value of it and i think it's sort of another i think it's another indication that formula one the people making the decisions in formula one are not in touch really with either the teams or the fans in any kind of meaningful way because neither is really getting what they're actually looking for and I think it's just it's also let's be honest not great to announce this a couple of days before the first time they're going to do it you know what I mean and this is you know a couple of races into a season these kind of things have to be decided beforehand it just it and it hasn't worked in the past like I say we've tried to to jazz this up before mm. Formula One is what it is. It is what it is, and if you don't like it, don't watch it. Is my opinion. I don't think I can put it any better myself. I, I think we should also yeah. mention that the changes uh, that they've introduced to Sprint Saturdays will apply to five other sprint rounds in Austria, Belgium, Belgium mm-hmm. will be good, will be good. Uh, Qatar, Austin as well, and Brazil this year. Uh, but while a regular Grand Prix weekend, it's just going to remain as it is. Okay, so we just need to, I think yeah. we're going to have more to talk about after the weekend, but this just to me, Absolutely. I just did not, I did not understand it. I thought, look, if there's, there's points, fine, but we've we've covered everything. 
on to more serious matters and that is the fact that heading into this Grand Prix Red Bull of 123 points leading to the top of the Constructors' Championship Aston Martin with 65 ahead of Mercedes, Ferrari and McLaren and of course in the drivers who else but Max himself Max Verstappen 69 points 2 wins 3 podiums followed by his Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez on 54 and then Fernando Alonso uh, revitalised Fernando Alonso who's been in the news as well this week on Twitter for things I don't normally see but uh, Taylor Swift came up but we can talk about that Uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, hanging in there on 38 for Mercedes and Carlos Sainz Jr. for Ferrari on 20. Can I put it to you, Sarah, that coming into this weekend, okay, Max, at this track, it should suit the Red Bull. Um, probably the most interesting thing is what is Sergio Perez going to get up to? How is that dynamic going to work? Because it's, it's, it's as we've explained in previous, we're going to have to go back over episodes. Perez is starting to, you know, is starting to make a bit of a name for himself. Ferrari need a result here. Yeah. Goes without saying they have to do something this weekend. But what about Aston Martin? Because Alonso, all jokes aside and Taylor Swift rumours, whatever, this guy uh, looks like the Fernando Alonso of old. Now, can the car deliver again? I think teams have had a bit of time in between and maybe we'll see if there is. I don't know if there's going to be many enhancements, but I suppose Max and the way he's driving, which you've articulated here with us, is the reason he's top. He is the best driver out there at the moment. He has the best car. Perez might be snapping at his heels. But what about Alonso? Can he do something this weekend? I think there's definitely potential. I, I genuinely think that this new format has kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons. I genuinely don't think any of us really know what to expect fully because we don't know, kind of as you alluded to earlier, how the teams are going to approach it. Um, I would suggest that Red Bull, since becoming so dominant, have become quite risk averse. Mm-hmm. I think that they are not willing to, to you know, put their car on the line for as we said, something that doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day on Sunday. So I think that could be an interesting point. And, you know, out of the six Grand Prix that have been run in Baku since 2017, half of them have been won by a Red Bull racing driver. So they do have a good, you know, they have essentially a 50% success rate at this track. So it does suit them. And I think, you know... Fernando is always there lurking as you said if you give him the machinery he will always show up and have something to say so I think absolutely there's a chance that he could you know people forget to actually for a you know more seasoned driver he's very adaptable mm. you know he won't be he's kind of seen it all been there done that he won't be phased I don't think by these changes he kind of just shows up gets in the car faces whatever he's faced with and gets on with it and I think that's a good that's a good attitude to have because you know a driver that's maybe less experienced might be worried about oh what what strategy do I do I go for here do I push do I not in this sprint shootout like what is you know the mandatory tires for example I can't get them to warm up fast enough I think he has advantages he has benefits in these types of scenarios where he just keeps a cool head so I think that's in his favour. I think the Aston is it as strong as the Red Bull. No, but with Fernando at the wheel, I think he could probably pull something off again. 
Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think it's one of the most interesting things. Sergio as well, like we'll, we'll see how he goes. Like he's, he's, mm. he's not consistent enough yet. I think he's getting near max, but I think he is going to challenge him. I think he's getting that bit quicker and he's more comfortable in the car. But you're right, we don't like Alonso is the kind of guy who can get something out of that Aston Martin. And I think Red Bull know it, but they've been, as you, and I think they have, I agree with you, they've been very safe with everything so far because they're just that little bit far ahead of everybody else. But that mm. gap, I think, hopefully will close as the season goes on. One team we haven't talked about just to finish up with um, coming into this weekend, and it's more an off track reshuffle rather than an on track result, and that's Mercedes. Uh, their technical team, a, a couple of swapped roles. Yeah, so James Allison is returning to his technical director role, and Mike Elliott is moving into a chief technical officer role, which uh, they both sound very familiar, but there is a reporting line involved. So there's a a subtle hierarchy there. Um, And essentially, Mike Elliott, uh, we believe, prompted the decision, having decided that his skills were not working. They weren't kind of mapping the way he wanted to the technical director role. And he felt that James Allison would be better, better suited. So that's what they've done. And to be fair, the team had already made the decision to pivot away from the original concept that they had pursued. So it seems like from what we understand, the swap actually happened a couple of weeks ago, which would kind of pair in with that, where they publicly said, yes, we are ditching this and taking a new direction. So apparently James Allison's approach is seen as more competitive than Mike Elliott's. And obviously that's what they need. So I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, he's being, he's going to be a lot more present at the races again. Um, Whereas he kind of had stepped into more, I suppose, an, what you might call an executive role, um, where I think now it'll be interesting to see does his presence or does his, does that competitive streak kind of ignite anything and getting them where they need to be a little bit faster because they have a lot of catching up to do. Oh God, do they have a lot of catch up? They had to do something. And I think, you know, if this they is did. the first step, yeah, I think, I, I think, and you've, again, you've explained why um, those two, two particular people in the particular roles, it, it might, uh, I think, not just have a focus on next year and getting that car ready, uh, but mm. also making some sort of impact for the seasons. And they've got a lot of sponsors eyes on them now as well. They can't really fall away the way they've been falling away. They have to do something. So not alone Mercedes, but Ferrari as well. We'll be seeing how they go uh, this weekend. Uh, and obviously at the front, Aston Martin and, uh, the Red Bulls with Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez on Sunday 30th of April at the Baku City Circuit the Azerbaijan Grand Prix goes down we will get all the reaction to what will probably be a very interesting weekend I think a race inside of me we know why uh, between qualifying and that super sprint whatever that is uh, we're going to talk about that next week uh, but in the interim and uh, as always uh, where can we find your content online Sarah and what have you got lined up? Yeah, so I've been tweeting a fair bit today in response to this strange announcement. So you can find me on Twitter at MacTweets underscore. And I'm going to have a new video out this week about potential burnout of F1, just given the the sheer volume of races that we have going on and, and what's coming in the future. So you can find that on my YouTube channel, which is Sarah McKenzie F1. Excellent stuff. We'll talk to you again next week and review the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Sarah McKenzie Foley for now and everybody here on Big Red Bench. Thank you very much. Thanks, sir. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Monster Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole rejoins me on this week's Big Red Bench to recap the latest Monster Women's Hockey, Monster Division 1, EY League, schools, interpros, and international news. Plus, we take a look ahead to upcoming women's hockey fixtures. Now, we are finally reaching the climax of what has been an unbelievably exciting Munster women's hockey season. We've covered it here on the Big Red Bench from the very beginning. And now we have reached 
the uh, Maybank holiday weekend, which is traditionally the weekend of cup finals. And oh my God, do we have some cup finals to preview. Well, not I, but uh, delighted to say that the uh, Munster hockey Piero Graham Catchball has joined us once again to reflect on last week's results, look ahead to a hectic weekend of cup finals and also talk about the under-18 girls player of the year nominees. Graham, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? I'm good, Ger. Thanks for having me again. Yes, it's uh, we're nearly there, but there's a lot to talk about. So let's get straight into it. This past weekend, uh, or the past week or so, Catholic Institute have been in the news with some high-profile games uh, representing Munster women's hockey. Yeah, so I suppose last weekend they were in the the Champions uh, Trophy final held up in in the north of Ireland. Um, so they travelled up uh, to to play the semi final um, against uh, UCD. Now, unfortunately, they 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 didn't um, they didn't get through to the final. They lost three nil to to UCD on the day. Um, and I, I suppose it has been a very very close season on the the women's EY one, um, and, and I suppose very little between the teams throughout. But Institute would be disappointed with that. But they have um, they have of course this weekend's Irish Senior Cup final to to look forward to, um, which will be held this weekend in 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 uh, Belfield. Um, they will face uh, Monkstown uh, team who they've faced a couple of times this year very close uh, encounters uh, between the two sides this year um, they play them on Saturday at uh, 12.45 And despite that result against UCD this is a Catholic Institute team that have held their own against some of the best teams in the particular grade that they're playing this year I mean I don't want people to kind of lose sight of that it's disappointing they lost the trophy semi-final but this this weekend and this cup final is, 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 is huge but also a reflection of how far they've come this year, Graham. Yeah, they, I mean, the Institute have been very strong for the last couple of seasons, uh, particularly since the players like uh, Naomi Carroll and and, and um, Roisin Upton went back to the club, and they've also managed to get a couple of a couple of players, you know, back to to Limerick and and, and playing with the club uh, from from different clubs over the over the last couple of years. So they they certainly have a a, a good you know there's a good strength and depth in that team, but I can't underestimate you know that. The, the difficulty of of that league, and particularly when um, when you're the only side in in Munster, and often I suppose every second weekend traveling the the length of the country to to play matches, it def- it definitely takes its toll. So it needs it needs a big squad, and they're they're lucky to have that, I suppose, and have been very competitive because of that. And um, you know, it's been a superb season for them. Um, and we really do wish them all the best in the in the Irish Senior Cup final uh, this weekend. Yes, absolutely. I think everybody in Munster women's hockey circles, even their greatest rivals, will wish them well because it, it flies the flag for Munster women's hockey. So good luck to them, as you said, and you've outlined very and articulated very well there the challenge that lies ahead. But let's hope they can pull off a positive result. Also, uh, last week we also had the Munster Women's Division One Cup final between Harlequins and Church of Ireland. Yeah, so the Monster Division One uh, Cup final is is for those sides um, not competing in in uh, EY One. Um, so the the finalists were, as you said, Harlequins and Church of Ireland, and they've had a couple of good battles uh, throughout the season. Um, certainly, I suppose Harlequins have had a, a you know a, a very successful season, and and they came out with the victory in this one, uh, winning three nil on the day. Um, but a, a, a close encounter, maybe the scoreline probably doesn't reflect that, but a, a much closer encounter than I suppose the 3 0 reflects. Uh, Beth Anno Farrell again notching up uh, another goal, and I know we'll, we'll speak about her mm-hmm. goal scoring exploits um, probably later in, 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 in the conversation. Rachel O'Shea with, with a goal, and uh, Emma Cripps with, um, with her second goal of the season. Um, so well done to Harlequins and commiserations to CFI. 
Yeah, well done, Harlequins. Again, another another trophy and a fantastic season for them and a performance as well uh, to boot. And uh, as we said, well done to Sevoy for getting to that stage. The one other result as well, which was of significance from last weekend, uh, was from the Munster Women's Division 1 and it was the promotion relegation playoff, Graham. Yeah, so 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 um, the the playoff between Crescent and and Belvedere took place um, uh, just before the the I suppose the final on on Saturday. Um, uh, Belvedere, who who finished bottom in Division One against uh, Crescent, who who finished uh, second in 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 Division Two. Um, uh, Belvedere, I suppose, have been in Division One for quite a while, and and um, we're hoping to hold on to that. Um, I suppose that accolade, but uh, Crescent actually came out two one winners in that match. Um, it it is a it is an amazing story for Crescent, I suppose, who've only been formed, you know, in 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 the last uh, five or six years. So they've worked their way up through the divisions uh, through. The, the last couple of years and uh, and, and now uh, have made the, the big step up to Division 1 so it'll be very very interesting to see how they fare um, that you know we, we, we've seen clubs in the past I suppose come up to Division 1 and, and, and do quite well like Blackrock this year for example you know made a similar story I suppose over the last couple of years um, managed to get their Division 1 side up and have, have, have done well in the in, in Division 1 this year so you know it gives it gives other clubs and new clubs I suppose hope as well that it can be done um, that clubs, I suppose, that are only newly established can make their way up the divisions, up to the, the top level. Yeah, and that's very well put. And look, commiserations, as we said to Belvedere, but well done to Crescent and winning that Munster Women's Division 1 promotion relegation playoff and a, a good way to finish off that their particular season uh, in league format anyway. Now, that was last week. This weekend, uh, the Maybank holiday began on Saturday, 29th of April and Sunday, the 30th of April. Uh Farmers Cross is the place to be if you're any kind of hockey fan and even if you aren't you should go along anyway because we have one, two, three, four women's finals on the Saturday and then four more cup finals on the Sunday. So I'm just going to list off the finals and the times uh, on Sunday. I'm sorry, beginning on Saturday 29th and I'm going to get you to talk about them then, Graham. The big one, I suppose, at 12 o'clock, 12 noon, uh, the women, the Munster Examiner Cup final between Bandon and the Church of Ireland at Farmers Cross. That's followed at uh, oh sorry, prior to that at eleven o'clock, the Munster Division Five Six relegation promotion playoff between Blackrock Thirds and Dungarvan Thirds takes place at Farmers Cross at one o'clock. Uh, Clonakilty Seconds and Cork Wanderers Thirds take on the are in the Munster Division Six plate final. Uh, we've just outlined that the big one, the Munster Examiner Cup final, takes place at twelve o'clock between Bandon and Church of Ireland, and then as well at four o'clock, the Munster Division Two Cup final between Cork Wanderers and Crescent. All these games are at Farmers Cross. It's going to be a fantastic day weekend of Munster Women's and men's hockey uh, but let's talk about that big one first Graham the, the Munster Examiner Cup final between Bandon and Church of Ireland this has the uh, this is all the makings without you know jinxing it of being a real cracking final yeah, absolutely, and um, you know they 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 have been close all year, Bandon and, and and Church of Ireland, and there's only been a goal between them in the in the matches that they have played this year. So, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a, another very exciting final. Um, Bandon, who I suppose have a have a good uh, both sides actually have a good mix of kind of youth and experience in those sides. Um, Bandon will be looking to the likes of Ingrid Burns and um, and Olivia Roycroft to provide the the firepower, and 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 then Church of Ireland, I suppose. We'll have the stalwarts there in, in Kay Gaffney and um and, and uh Holly Moffat. So it's 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 going to be very, very interesting final. Um, you know, they, they, they have been very, very close as I said this year. Um so it it could go either way. 
And of those other cup finals that are taking place, obviously the play final involving a West Cork club are in from as well, Connacht Kilty second, taking on Cork Wanderers. We wish them well. Cork Wanderers are also involved in the Division 2 cup final, so a big day for that particular club. But that Division 5-6 relegation playoff promotion playoff between Black Rock and Dungarvan is an equally important game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the teams are kind of vying for for places in 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 um in their divisions next year, and you know, other teams looking to to make that step up and almost be the next um the next crescent to 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 make it to to Division One. Um, so so all of these games are are, are really important. Um, I suppose just to mention as well, there are there are two men's finals on as well. So it's it's a game of uh, or it's a it's, I suppose it's a weekend of 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 both men's and women's finals, which is great and. You know, it makes for for a good day out, I suppose, for for anyone. The games start as early as eleven o'clock, and your last game then is finishing at four o'clock. So, uh, plenty to do and plenty to see um, if you go up to Harlequins this weekend. Yes, indeed, as we said, and we've outlined the women's finals on Saturday. On the men's finals, the Munster Charity Cup final between Ashton and Waterford takes place at Farmers Cross at two o'clock, and that's followed by the men's junior cup final between Cork Harlequins B and Church of Ireland B at three o'clock. And also on Sunday, April the thirtieth, we have the Munster Division Three Cup final between Bandon and Clonakilty. We have the Munster Division Four Cup final between Belvedere Seconds and. Church of Ireland thirds. Then we have the Munster Division 5 Cup final between Ashton Fours and Cork Harlequins fifths. And then we also have uh, a relegation promotion playoff again, this time for the Munster Division 4 and 5 between Blackrock Seconds and Cashel New Inn. And the men's final, the Munster McLean Cup final as well, takes place at 3 o'clock on Sunday. Ashton B taking on Waterford B at Farmers Cross. If you are any kind of a hockey fan and you're around the bank holiday weekend, get down to the Farmers Cross because you will not be disappointed over those two days. Some fantastic hockey to be played. And we wish all the teams all the best. And of course, we'll have a roundup of the winners and the scores and everything else on next week's edition of the Big Red Bench. We finished this week, or just before we finished this week, Graham. Last week we outlined the uh, Player of the Year nominations for the women's adult uh, section. This year or this week, we've got the under eighteen nominees, including three Cork Harlequins players. Yeah, so the nominations are in for the the under eighteen uh, girls uh, Player of the Year. Um, yes, three three Cork Harlequins players. Um, you know, after their fantastic season, I suppose uh, Anya Power, Bethan O'Farrell, and and Ruby Walsh, all kind of names that we're probably familiar with on the show at this point. Um, and then uh, from Ashton, Ava Kern, who's had a superb season. Isabel Martin from Church of Ireland, who equally has had a superb season up front for them. And and then Sarah Fitzgerald from um, Catholic Institute, who's, who's played very very well for both uh, the province and for um, for for club this year so great to see the the, the six nominees um come through and um you know there was there was plenty of other nominations but these were these were just the the top six i suppose that that came out in the tops and uh yeah looking forward to the monster hockey awards night now and um we'll, we'll see who who takes away the prize yeah and just like the adult uh, nominees when we spoke about last week i mean i don't want to be the one picking the winner there because i mean beth anna farron or goal scoring exploits are things we talked about but each of those names you're absolutely you're absolutely right they have popped up week after week for, uh, in adult uh, competitions as well these these young yeah. players and they're doing particularly yeah. well not an easy choice for the Munster uh, committee no? No absolutely not and we've, we're a committee I suppose of, of, of five or 
doing final deliberations actually this week on 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 the award winners so um it's it's certainly not going to be uh, an easy decision at the end of the day we'll be uh, consulting with with plenty of people to get their feedback as well um so yeah we we, we really have our work cut out yeah i wish you well i'm not laughing i'm just wishing you well because look, what, <laughs> what do you do i mean we've spoken about it and we're not just saying it's not hyperbole yeah. this has been a particularly entertaining and exciting season the monster division one the ey one ey two leagues went right down to the wire and we got all these cup finals where we're going to have more twists and turns like and it's just it's a really positive end to what I think from my own opinion anyway and here on the big red bench we've been delighted to 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 highlight it it's been a really good season yeah, it really has, Ger, and 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 certainly the the coverage on the the big red bench has definitely added to that as well, Ger. Um, you know, you have more people talking about it, interacting, and 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 I suppose, um, you know, wanting to know more about about um, particularly our I suppose our our top divisions across um, across Ireland and in particularly in Munster. So look, it has brought that extra bit of uh, interest and excitement, and certainly the fact that the leagues were so close this year and that there were so many closely fought finals, it's it's definitely made it a very very exciting season yes very true and thank you for saying that but we both know that the women's monster top scorers list which we finish every week on is probably the thing that causes the most conversations it certainly caused the most conversations with some of the teammates we've had a chance to interview on the big red bench this year the good natured banter but as we reach the penultimate weekend or the final weekend with all the cup finals the top 12 scorers in the province are Nicole Clark is in 12th for Church of Ireland on 9 and she's joined by Joyce Sampson from Cork Harlequins who's also scored 9 goals Quiva Perdue for UCC is on 10 goals player we've mentioned both at club and international levels throughout the year. Julia McCarthy for Cork Harlequins on 11 is number 9. At 8, it's Kira Sexton from Church of Ireland on 13 goals. Olivia Roycroft, another name we've mentioned quite quite often this year, having a fantastic season for Bar- for Bandon um, with 14 goals. And then 6, the name we know quite well at this stage, Ashton's Kate Harvey, who's had a great year. She's on 15. And then the top 5, UCC's Abby O'Mahony on 16 goals. Yvonne O'Byrne from Cork Harlequins on 19, alongside Michelle Barry for Cork Harlequins on 19, who admitted on this show that she would would not pass to somebody who was in a better position ahead of her in the scoring charge, but we just. Uh, second place, M.O. Sullivan for UCC on 19 goals. Three players on 19 goals there. But out in front, one of the nominees for this year's Under-18 Overall Player of the Year Award, Cork Harlequins, Beth Ann O'Farrell, who's done a fantastic job this year. She's on 23 goals. So heading into the final weekend with all those cup finals, we assume that Beth Ann O'Farrell will be there at the very end. But we'll have to tune in next week on the Big Red Bench on our regular Munster Women's Hockey slot here with Graham Catchpole to find all that out. Uh, it's, we're coming to the end, but what a season it's been. And also, we've got such a big weekend to look forward to, Graham. We wish you, everybody to do, uh, involved with Munster Women's Hockey, all the best this weekend. Let's hope the weather holds up as well for all those people for the men's and women's finals. On in Farmers Cross on Saturday the 29th and Sunday the 30th. Don't miss those. And again, we'll review everything on next week's Big Red Bench here with Graham Catchwell. But for now, Graham, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Millinger. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Okay, so it's been a very busy time in the Cork IGFA Senior uh, County Leagues and we're going to start our roundup with League uh, Division 1, the County League Division 1 and the Group 1 results, the recent results. Valley Rovers won 6, Inch Rovers 9 points, that was a draw. Kinsale 2-11, Glanmire 3-10, Clannacilty 8 points and Aeroge 4-8. And in that previous game, uh, Clannacilty... Uh, 
taking on uh, last year's county uh, runners-up in the senior grade. Good performance from Connacilty despite the defeat. Schaefer Patwell getting three points, Kira Ryan three points, Ashley Maloney a point and Lorna Collins a point and for Clan on the day. Uh, outstanding performance from Maeve DC. Kira Ryan another good day at full-back and other good performances from Schaefer Patwell, Martina O'Brien and Mary Murphy. We also mentioned there the Valley Rovers, they drew one six to nine points with Inch Rovers. And uh, the Valley Rover scores in that game. Eve Dwarg got three points. Michelle O'Regan two. Kriana Murphy one point. Carol Kremen a point. And uh, what all that means is at the, after two rounds of matches in Group 1 of Division 1, Aeroga are on maximum points with six. Azar Glanmire. Kinsale picked up their first win. They've got three points. And then you've got Valley Rovers and Inch Rovers on a point apiece. And Clannacilty yet to get off the mark. Now on to Division 1. Uh, group 2 and that's why Division 1 is split into two groups obviously this year most recent results we have to hand St. Val's 3-12 Bright Rovers 2 points Formoy 2-16 Ada 2-11 Castlehaven 4-15 Eric Glenn Desmond's boy 1 goal and uh, a result from a couple of weeks ago uh, Formoy 3-12 St. Val's 8 points now back to that St. Val's and Bright Rovers game uh, it was 3-6 to no score at half time before Val's went on to win 3-12 to 2 points their top scorers on the night Murray Corkery got 1-5 Nicola Denny 1-3 and Cueva Cotter got 1 one one and some of their best performers in that particular game Anna Keane, Miriam Cotter, Alice Buckley, Aileen Corkery, Norena Callan and Nicola Dennehy. Uh, we also mentioned there that Formoy overcame Ahada 216-211. Uh, Emma Farmer for Ahada put in a fantastic performance yet again. She got 2-6 of their total with Sally McAllister and Christine Moran also getting some points and uh, Amelia Cooper and Claire Walsh also starring for Ahada in that particular game despite the defeat. We mentioned as well Formoy um, won uh, about a fortnight ago now at this stage where they beat St. Val's 3-12 to 8 Eva Carey had a good game for the winner she got 2-1 Abby Scannell got 5 points Eve Buckley got a goal from penalty Michelle Parker 3 points Myrna O'Brien Katie O'Flynn Andrea McGrath a point each and some of their best performers included Derva Creed Eve Buckley Ruby Coffey and Laura Scannell uh, from St. Val's point of view a disappointing result on the night but Kieran McCarthy top scored with 5 points while Noreen Callaghan Claire Ambrose and Kieran McCarthy also played well so what that means in Division 2 uh, or sorry, Group 2 of Division 1, uh, Castlehaven and Formoy are on maximum points with six points from their two matches thus far. Ada have three as of St. Val's and Ara Glenn and Bride yet to get off the mark uh, in what is looking a very, very entertaining league. Now, League Division 2, uh, this is just a straight league uh, that contains eight clubs and uh, the recent results in that Division 2 County League Douglas 3-6 Owen Dalla 1-7 O'Donovan Rossa 1-8 Donnie's 1-7 Moran Abbey 4-16 Dunamore 1-10 Ross Carberry 1-5 and Neva Vaughan 9 points and we go back to that last game there between Ross Carberry and Neva Vaughan um, a narrow defeat for Ross Carberry but an excellent performance against Neva Vaughan uh, down 7 points to 3 at half time and eventually losing one five to, uh, 9 points to 1-5 the uh, Neva Vaughan scorers, or sorry, the Ross Carberry scorers on the night. Lauren O'Donovan got three points. Megan Hayes with 1-1 and Kellyanne French with a point. And the best players for our Ross on the night included Lauren O'Donovan, Cleanna McGuire and Ellie Jennings. Another result there, West Cork Derby between O'Donovan Rossa and Donnie's. Um, the Skibreen Club edging it by a point, leading 4-3 at half time. They eventually ran out 1-8 to 1-7 winners. Sharon Stout got a goal and Anya McCarthy got two points. And then Sarah Hurley, Jessica Beechner, Fanolo Driscoll, Kate O'Connell, Trina Murphy and Lisa Hart all weighed in with a point apiece for O'Donovan Ross and what that means is at the time of recording Skibreen are top of the county Div- uh, division two thanks to two wins out of two and then you've got Douglas Neva Vaughan Morn Abbey Owen Dalla all on three points and Donnie's Dunamore and Ross Carby 
uh, awaiting their first victory of the season, league victory of the season. On to League Division 3, uh, we've won result, uh, a couple of results sorry, recently from uh, that particular division. Drum Tariff won 7, Bishopstown 3.13, Watergrass Hill 9 points, Cargilline 2.10, Rockbawn 4.14, uh, going very well as well, under 21 level, Middleton 2.10. And another result, uh, Bantry Blues 2.13, Nemo Rangers 1.6. And it's that last result that we're going to focus in on because the Bantry Blues, the West Cork Club, they led 1.7 to 1.1 against Nemo at the break and they eventually ran out 2.13 to 1.6 winners. Rachel Murphy got 1.6, three of those coming from freeze. Megan McSweeney, Eve Murphy, Caitlin O'Mahony, Laura O'Sullivan, Kate Keevers, Aoife Kingston, Molly O'Sullivan and Sarah Bishop all weighing in with a point apiece. What that means, Bishopstown and Bantry are top of Division 3 on maximum points after two games, six apiece. Nemo Rangers are on three, Carrigaline are on three, as are Rockbourne and then Watergrass Hill, Middleton and Drum Tariff. Uh, still awaiting their first victory of league victory of the season into Division Four, and the most recent results include a big win for Tyg McCorrig, uh, a one point win away to Aaron's own two eight to one ten, uh, Mallow two sixteen, uh, Saint Finbar's three eleven, and Bandon three fourteen, uh, Bera two three, and that was a big win for Bandon. It's their second win in a row. Uh, as I said, they won three fourteen to two three against Bera. Goals from Kate McLaughlin, Laura Cummins, and Neve Sugru on a night that Ella Colnan, Kate O'Connor, and Anne Marie Troy played particularly well for the Lily Whites and that division two West Cork clubs leading the way in Division 4 at the moment Tyke McCorrig with two wins out of two as have Bandon St. Peter's of three points Mallow three points Barrett three points and then Aaron's own St. Finbars and Corsi Rovers all hoping to get off the mark as quickly as possible so that's the roundup for the Cork LGBA County Leagues um, that we have here on the Big Red Bench and remember we'll have another roundup uh, in the next couple of weeks again once we've got all those results and scores in so thanks to all the clubs getting back to me with that information Okay, it's been a, a really busy time as well for the uh, Cork LGFA underage teams. Uh, the footballers, the minors and the under-14s both involved in Munster finals at the Mallow J Grounds Complex recently. And Mallow, in fairness to it, let's uh, give it some credit, it has hosted a, a huge amount of... Uh, Munster LGFA deciders at 14 at 16 at minor A, B and C there's got a lot of games there over the last couple of weeks um, fantastic facility all run off brilliantly the stand adds to the atmosphere when the stand is full it was full for the minor game and close to being full for the under 14 final as well uh, brilliant to see that facility being used and hopefully they'll take uh, a lot more Munster finals there so well done to Munster LGFA and certainly well done to Malogia for the way they've uh, their complex and the way they manage it Let's talk about the Cork Miners because they have won and retained their minor LGFA A championship title by beating Clare 113 to 27. The scoreline suggested was close and it was at the end. Two late Clare goals had Cork a little bit worried, having been in control for most of that game. I'm not going to recount every moment of the game. What I will do is tell you to go to echolive.ie and uh, you'll see Rory Noonan's report there, his comprehensive report. Cork 113, Clare 27 on the night. A fantastic result for Cork to retain it, as I said. A lot of work to do ahead of the All Ireland semi final, which isn't for another while but um, fantastic to see this really really talented group a group that I've covered since they were under 14 since they won an under 14 all earned and many of those players involved and uh, the panel on the night uh, Quiver Richmond from Glenmire, Molly Burke from Mornabby, Amy McKennedy from Tyg McCorrig, Laura Mahoney from uh, St. Peter's, Millie Condon from Clonakilty and she was captain, Leah Heffernan, Bantir, Ava Fitzgerald, Glenmire, Kate Williamson, Mornabby, Lily Murray from Bright Rovers, Brina Smith uh, from Alfada, uh, Deirdre Cronin from Mornabby, Niamh McNabola from St. Val's, Anya Hallahan from Liscould, Kira Morrison from Bright Rovers, and Amy Shepherd from St. Val's, Molly Murphy 
McCroom, Grace Cronin, Mornabi, Leah Carey from Island Rovers, Sean O'Shea Aerog, Orla Kremen Aerog, Schaefer Patwell, Clonakilty, Lenny O'Sullivan, this school, Damio Reardon from Ballinora, Maeve Collins from Island Rovers, Neva Sullivan from Castlehaven, Alice Buckley from St. Pals, Ava Barry from Bride Rovers, Katie O'Driscoll from Clonakilty, Edel Sheen from Aerog, and Ava Curran from Nemo and the management team led by Jamie Cronin from Ballinora along with mentors Martin Day Adam Pierbucks and the FLO was Edel Heffernan from Bantir so congrats to Jamie Cronin and the Cork Miners brilliant performance a uh, bit worrying near the end right? but as I said you can find that match report on echolive.ie and that's from Rory Noonan and another Rory Noonan match report on echolive.ie recounts a fantastic but heartbreaking result for Cork in this year's Munster Under-14 LGFA a final where the kingdom Kerry came out on top 116 to 211 once again this was held at uh, at Mallow in front of a really big attendance great atmosphere these two sides played out the game of the year for me last year in the All-Ireland Under-14 final which was held at Park Ewing. It went extra time and on that occasion Kerry won by a point and on this occasion uh, they won by two points 116 to 211 just about deserved it but JJDC's side put in a terrific performance very very unlucky for them at the end of it uh, to end up on the losing side again go to echolive.ie and you'll find Rory Noonan's match report from that particular game which we're not going to recount here uh, but suffice to say there were some fantastic individual performances on the day um, and it's just it's really disappointing for Cork that they lost out in the Munster final but they and Kerry and all the other competing teams in that grade now go into the All-Ireland series in the next couple of weeks and that will determine who plays in the All-Ireland quarterfinals so the season far from over for this particular group of players and a very talented group of players um, disappointment for Cork on the day losing 116 to uh, 11 but they played partic- they played really really well and JJDC and his, men- his mentors have done a fantastic job with them and we will see them again in the All-Ireland Championship coming up quite soon on the day the team for Cork or the panel that played against Kerry in that Munster final Orla McGrath from Glanmire Hayley Sweeney Delaney's Darren O'Flaherty Mallow Maeve Buckley the captain from Ballancolic Hannah DC Kinsale Sheila O'Gwalch from Bishop Sound Anna Kelher Kinsale Ava Coughlin from Ahada Kira O'Regan in Trovers, Carl O'Regan Island Rovers, Lily Foskin from Bishopstown, Sarah Galvin Aerog, Sarsha Rourke in Trovers, Ellen Motherway Cargilline, and Quiva Foley from Corsi Rovers, uh, Matilda Neen Lunig from Navabon, Gemma O'Sullivan from Ross Carberry, Roisin Lehan from Navabon, Haley O'Shea from McCroom, Cleana Hart from Ibane Ladies, Katie Hanrahan from Rockbon, Amy McCarthy from Castlehaven, Tamara Moynihan from Ballancolic, Orna Higgins from Glanmire, Sophie Duggan from Glanmire. Um, Robin O'Mahony from Carrigaline, Ellie Lee from Ada, Katie Crowley from Corsi Rovers Fiona O'Connell from Carrigaline, and Louise Buckley McKernan from St. Coleman's uh, JJDC Jonas uh, O'Connell uh, Bernadette Sheen, Sean Ryan, Miriam O'Connell and Karen Casey were the mentors in charge of that particular under 14 so commiserations to Cork as I said but a fantastic performance and their season as we said as well thankfully is uh, not over just yet now, the Cork Senior Bees began their Munster Championship last uh, weekend as well at Newcastle West uh, against Limerick. And it's Limerick's, uh, a lot of that is that Limerick's first team. And the way this has been introduced this year, it's, uh, I suppose it's, a, it's for a development for uh, extended panels and, and counties that have extended panels. And Cork certainly have that uh, when it comes to senior level. And uh, the Senior Bees put in a really, really good performance. Disappointing result, obviously, 11 points to four, but uh, encouraging signs. Um, Cork settled after a disappointing start where they found themselves four points to not, not 
got behind before Lucy Green opened the scoring uh, for the Rebels. Uh, two scores then from the impressive debutante Ketlin O'Mahony, who was excellent over the course of the hour up front for Cork and worked tirelessly in that full forward line. Amy Corcoran, who's niece of Cork order Brian and Danielle Murphy as well, gave their gave their all around the middle of the field. Uh, towards the end of the game, Limerick unloaded many of their first team regulars uh, at the break and uh, pretty much put the game to bed then between the 30th and 40th minute. Cork as well, having pre-organised, unloaded their own bench and brought on half a dozen subs, who all contributed very well. And the defence for Cork in particular, Saoirse Foley, Siobhan Callan and Aoife McTaggart defended admirably throughout that game. Um, and Cork's uh, score in the second half again, coming from the boot of Lucy Green. It finished uh, Limerick 11 points, Cork 4 points. But once again, manager uh, Peter O'Leary was happy with the performance. He's going to persist in ensuring that all 30 players uh, will have played championship before the end of the hour, as he did uh, this weekend. And on Sunday in Cladova at 2 o'clock, Cork will face the competition's undoubted strongest team in Clare, fresh off their extra time loss in their National League final. The Cork team that started uh, that particular game uh, against New- uh, Newcastle West last week against Limerick, uh, Quiva Ford from Cantorque, Saoirse Foley from Bantir, Murren Deneen from Neva Bond, Siobhan Callan from Clonakilty, Aoife McTaggart from New Rangers, Rachel Sheehan from Passage, Kira O'Brien Airog, Amy Corcoran from Aaron's Own, Danielle Murphy from Drum Tariff, Abby Quirk from Middleton, Abby O'Sullivan from Douglas, who was the captain, May Collins, Ahada, Lucy Green from Glanwire, Grace Murphy from Neva Vaughan, and Caitlin O'Mahony from Bantry and uh, the players who would have been uh, involved and would have come on on the day itself. Uh, Laura Sullivan from Rockbourne, Quiva Heffernan from Kinsale, Tara Hickey from Introvers, Yveen O'Neill from Aaron's Own, Ruth Shanley from Clonakilty and Holly Fitzgerald from Carrigaline. So disappointment of Cork but look at decent performance a lot of players getting um, match and championship time which is what you want them to do and as uh, as we said they've got a real challenge now again this Sunday in Cladova 2 o'clock taking on Clare uh, and more, that's really Clare's first team in their next round of this new Senior B Championship and we wish them well. Now we've got some aftermatch reaction from the uh, Cork LGFA minor and under 14 uh, teams uh, following their Munster finals. Uh, we're going to hear from the Cork LGFA under 14 manager JJ DC and we're also going to hear from Kerry manager uh, Joby Costello following Kerry's two point win in Mallow in the under 14A final. But first we're going to get reaction from the Cork minors. Uh, Captain Millie Condon, Amy McKennedy and Leah Heffernan are the players that we got on this interview as well as manager Jamie Cronin following their fantastic victory. And first up it's Millie Condon. Uh, Millie Condon Congratulations, Munster Minor Champions. Uh, you really put it up, Claire put it up to you tonight, but you got off to a really good start. Yeah, no, um, we, we started well, um, but I suppose we, we let foot off in the end and they came well back at us and yeah. we, it, was a, it was a good match throughout. Were you a bit worried when we got those two late goals? Yeah, anything could have happened if they just popped in two, they could easily pop in a third. And what does it mean to this group to win a Munster Championship? You've been together quite a long time now. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good to win it. Um, otherwise, our season would have been over today and it's nice to keep it on during the summer. You're quite busy yourself at the moment. Your dual commitments, but it's fantastic to win a provincial title. Yeah, no, yeah, no I'm happy with it. And what about overall? Uh, you're into an All-Ireland semi-final. A lot of hard work to do. Yeah, no, I think we've, we've a, good, a good bit now to, to prepare for it. So hopefully we can do well. You're shouting at you to go get the cup. You better go and get it. Well done. Yeah, thanks a million. Uh, Amy McKennedy, first of all, congratulations on winning tonight's Munster uh, minor LGFA final. Tough game from Clare and they really came back to you there near the end. Yeah, we were put under very much pressure there at the end. They got two very fast goals and we had to hold it for a good four minutes or so. Yeah, your manager was telling me you played the Cork seniors in a challenge game the other night and that was one of the things you managed to do was hold possession for long spells and you had to do it for the last couple of minutes tonight. Dangerous to do it, but you managed to do it. Yeah, I'd say we were lucky to have practised at least once before and it really stood to us definitely in the second match any years there. So. Um, Clare were undefeated coming into this, so they're a good team, uh, but you got off to a very good start. 
Yeah, we, we got a good lead in the first half. We were up by a good few goals and in the second half then they really pushed back on us but we managed to keep it out. Um, you put in a lot of hard work this year. I know you're in all Ireland semi-final but just did a good bit of work to do? Yeah, majorly. We need to just really work as a team and try to stop those goals there at the end and just keep composure. It's the best place to be in a bit of work to do but still be monster champions, yeah? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than just an easy match. At least we had a good team up against us. How much have you enjoyed being part of this setup? Because it's hard enough to get into the minor team. There were so many girls interested in trialling for it. Yeah, it's a great opportunity and I'm very proud and it brings a lot back to my club and everyone's just very proud. Yes, your club, Tyke McCorrig, are very, very proud of you. You can yeah. see that here tonight in the crowd as well. Yeah. Did you notice the big crowd here tonight? I mean, it was a bit good atmosphere. Yeah, a lot of the coaches and friends and it's a very good community. Everyone seemed to come and help us out. And just finally, looking forward to that. Now you've got an All-Ireland semi-final to look forward to. A uh, good bit of work to do, but Jamie Cronin has been very important in the backroom team. How important have they been all year? Yeah, he's just supported us through everything. Same as all of the other coaches. They've just built loads of new skills in us and everything. Well, listen, well done on winning the Munster and we'll see you in the All-Ireland semi-final. Thank you very much, see ya. Well done. Now, Leah, first of all, congratulations. That is uh, a Munster LGFA minor title, but Claire kind of came, really came back to you in the second half there. Yeah, you know, it was a close one at the, the end. We kind of weren't really expecting it, but... Um, you know, like, we kind of held on to it, you know, we kind of had prepared for that. So, um, I know, sure, if things like that happen, you know, at the end of games, you know, it's not really wanting to happen, but, you know, it happens. You have a very cool head on you, so you, you can't... You can't <laughs> I wasn't too cool back there. <laughs> Talk to me about this group of players, because you've been together quite a long time, like, you've been training quite a long time under Jamie Cronin, and, like, you know, the season isn't finished yet, you got an All-Ireland semi-final forward to. Yeah, so um, we kind of started training there just before, I think it was just after Christmas, and, um, yeah, we've been together a long time, especially some of some of the girls we've been with each other yeah. since under 14 you know so like we're a little family in ourselves but I uh, know we still have a bit to go now we have the semi-final and we have the All-Ireland final so look hopefully now heads up now we'll drive on <laughs> um, How much have you enjoyed playing for Jamie Cronin and the management team because it's a new management team this year yeah. a lot of interest too in getting onto the minor panel so you had to be, you know, you had to try to make sure you made your place Yeah um, well we new manager yeah Jamie this year you know, he's been brilliant like we couldn't fault him at all but um yeah, I love it. They're great cracks, you know. Like it's not all serious, but you know, where he's a brilliant trainer, and to the other lads, Cahill, um and uh, yeah, you know, they're they're brilliant. They're brilliant. So excellent stuff. So congratulations on winning, and uh, looking forward to the honour semi-final. Yeah, definitely. What I just saying. Hopefully now. <laughs> all right, we'll talk again. Thank you, Leah. Thanks, sir. Cheers. Jamie Cronin. First of all, congratulations. You've won a Munster Minor LGFA title. Um, talk to me about the hard work that's gone into this. Um, Look, it started in halfway through January for us. We work in three, three and a half months now to get to this point. Um, I'm absolutely super proud of the work we've done in all the games and training sessions leading up to today and in what we achieved today, tonight on the pitch. Um, probably when we were under most pressure in this game is when, when we played our best. Um, and then that's the sign of, I think that's the sign of a strong group. Um, things went against us, things went a bit against us late in the game we came back we did the business um, we got the re- right result and it proves how strong we are as a group You got off to a really good start you were winning you held them scoreless for, more, for the entire first quarter then Amy Shepherd's goal gave you a cushion but the way Clare came back in the second half got those two late goals took a bit of the shine off it but from a manager's point of view gives you something to work on It, it absolutely does um, like 
I always try to I, I even said it to the girls a couple of seconds ago there that you know not to forget the positive things we've done in the game um, Clare were, were awesome there in that comeback they put huge huge, huge pressure on us um, it'll make us rethink about what we do on the pitch um, and it, it only as, as you said it only gives us stuff to work on and it really really means that you know we know we need to up our game another level or two another five levels even going into an Ireland semi-final how happy are you with the way your team played? Because you put up a good score, but the, the swiftness that you moved the ball from defence was really impressive. Yeah, we moved, look, we moved it. We had some brilliant, brilliant moves in the game. Um, like Claire, I suppose, probably end up, we, we ended up folding a bit, they ended up folding a bit too, put us under a bit of pressure that way, going up front. But we, we, we stuck to what our plan was for a lot of it. And maybe the times when we went off script a little bit is when things maybe went a bit awry. Um, as you said, we had the strong first quarter. We finished out the half, first half okay, we had a decent lead. Uh, maybe, maybe we didn't press on enough and maybe we didn't continue the good things we had done in the first half and that maybe maybe cost us a little bit in terms of momentum in the game. Just finally, an all final semi-final to look forward to now and lots of hard work still to do, but you must be proud of this group's effort because they have put in a serious shift to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, we had to... We have to put the work in every week. We they do put the work in every week, and I mean we've two, two and a half, three months there to work on many, many more things, as evidenced by a game tonight. And look, that's where I, I kind of say if we're on ten steps of a ladder here tonight, my only, might be only step two, and we've a lot, we've a lot more, we've a lot more to do, and they've a lot more to show. Well, congratulations on winning a monster title. Fantastic for you and for your backroom team and for the players. And we'll see you soon in the All-Ireland semi-final. Cheers. Thanks, Ger. OK, JJ, obvious disappointment. A one-point defeat is gut-wrenching. But let's look at the overall picture. Fantastic performance from the Cork under-14s. And much to look forward to in the All-Ireland series. Yeah, look, we're, we're, we're gutted to lose that by a point. You know, we, um, we didn't come here to, to finish second. But, uh, you know, there's a, a long season there yet. There's a... All-Ireland qualifiers now in a couple of weeks' time and then uh, every team will be in an All-Ireland quarter-final, new competition, so we'll go again. But, um, you know, uh, our girls are absolutely magnificent out there again today. You know, it's for under-14s, the, the standard of football was, 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 was excellent, absolutely excellent. And that for you and the management team has got to be the big encouragement here, like you've been con- the consistency, you're building momentum. Obviously, it's a setback today, but it's not the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's, it's a... It's a step along the way in their development. You know, we're trying to find the footballers of the future and, you know, anybody who's here today or watches this match on video will see that there's a lot of exceptional young girls coming through in the Cork ladies football scene and, um, you know, the future is bright. Um, Kerry, in fairness to them, absolutely super team as well. You know, um, the last couple of years, you know, Cork and Kerry have produced some great games at this at this, at this this level and, um, you know, we're coming out the wrong end of a couple of them, but, you know, our turn will come as well. And that's very well said. Just nothing between these teams in the last couple of years, not just this year at under-14 level, but you now have a bit of a chip on the shoulder. The girls can go back and have something to aim for. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Yes, you know, they, 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 they're not, you know, this isn't a pleasant experience standing outside here watching the cup going 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 west but uh, you know we'll, we'll regroup with back training uh, Wednesday night and we'll you know we put a positive slant in it you know the performance was good the uh, girls that started the girls that came on they all contributed and uh, you know we're, we're very proud of the effort they put in there today Well it was a fabulous display JJ well done to you and your team we'll see you again soon Thank you very much uh, Joby congratulations that's a, a Munster title a one point win and yet again Cork can carry under 14 <laughs> delivering yeah, a cracker yeah, yeah. Is it easy being a manager on the sideline No for it's not one bit I've been off sick for the last couple of days with chest infection so this is uh, I really pushed my chest out to limits today but yeah it's the first time since we actually won it maybe since 2013 you know it's, it's an awful long time for Kerry to be without a 14 title but we're delighted to have the win Cork were superb out there today 
but we just matched them. We matched them. We just got the scores when we needed them. A great advert for this level and for this grade and considering there was a big crowd, good atmosphere, but your girls responded really deep, like you were behind for much of it, mm-hmm. but you showed your class really yeah, near the end. Yeah. yeah, oh absolutely. This is great for ladies football, it's LGFA. They're doing so much with all the levels of football. This is just a perfect example of how football can be played. Um, this is the Munster Championship there's an All-Ireland series come up I won't even ask you about it now but two teams we would expect to see at the latter end of it oh hopefully hopefully like last year hopefully playing the final I'll go well again in the All-Ireland series so yeah it would be great to have back in the final game with the next, at the end of this series all together hopefully well listen congratulations thank go you on and enjoy it and we hope to see you again <laughs> thank you that's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM